everyone, welcome to another edition of the Final Down NFL Podcast with myself, Jim, Punk Raider and Denver Dave. We're here to talk about the NFL. Boys, how are we doing? It's all over. season's finished. What are we going to do for the next seven months? I'm going to have to like, talk to my family and stuff on Sundays. Oh, no, man. No, no, guys, guys, the draft. The draft. We've got until the end of April to uh, to avoid family then What do we do? What do well, we then, do? I can't Class know, gym, come after that, but uh, yeah. OTAs. We're yeah. not covering OTAs in training camps. Uh, but you could always, <laughs> always go back and do do some analysis on the Pro Bowl, I suppose. Ooh, oh, no, yeah, breakdown. Me make me a, a live watch of the Pro Bowl again. Yeah, it gets <laughs> worse and worse every year. It really does. Plenty to get through today, then, obviously, boys. It was the zenith of the NFL season with the Super Bowl. Uh, quick bit of news. The final head coaching vacancy has been officially filled. Kevin O'Connell, fresh from seeing the Rams to the Super Bowl, has been announced as their new head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. O'Connell was a former QB and offensive coordinator for Washington before his tenure in L.A. O'Connell was the favourite for the job and after Jim Harbaugh stepped out of contention. Plus, O'Connell was a coach under Sean McVay. And most importantly, he is not Mike Zimmer. O'Connell did spend a year as coaching, uh, did spend a year coaching Kirk Cousins in Washington, so that does actually help, I guess, uh, to ingratiate himself with the team. Any thoughts on I mean, Kevin O'Connell? Mr. He's a guy who like I think interviewed or was in uh, a finalist for uh, the Broncos, but we didn't end up interviewing him. But he was linked to a few jobs, so I think he's yep. he's part. He's, he's fashionable now to be part of either uh, the McVeigh tra- uh, coaching tree or the. Um, uh, Shanahan coaching tree in some way that that seems yeah. to be the connection now if you've got you know if you ever passed him in a corridor or you know shared a, a subway with them then at that point you're probably odds on for a job so yeah I mean it, it's better than Mike Zimmer so I don't care you know they could get one of the Chuckle Brothers in it wouldn't make any difference mm-hmm. it's better than Mike Zimmer it's funny isn't it because all these new coaches under Sean McVay's tutelage are all older than him yeah well <laughs> yeah but you know considering i'm older than him as well oh, it's yeah. not really surprising is it so no but you can't sure. claim to have been part of his coaching staff well, i don't know i could claim to be part of his coaching <laughs> yeah, staff. I, guess. I mean you know everyone else seems to be so mm-hmm. why not <laughs> <laughs> but it was the same back in the day i mean it wasn't too long ago that every single person was part of bill walsh's coaching tree at some point parcells and, as well wasn't and it parcells, parcells and then yeah. beyond that it was belichick's and reeds and it, go, it goes yeah. in yeah. you know it goes in there's always those two coaches where it's fans out to everyone eventually so there you go we're going to talk about the hall of fame class later on well before we do that there's, there is one coach in hire that i do want to mention and it is significant and you're going to roll your eyes at first but bear with me so the Denver Broncos have a new defensive head, uh, new defensive coordinator. And the reason I mention it, his name is Ijaro Ivero. He was previously the secondary coach for um, the Rams. And the reason I mention it is not Didn't because... did play out front for Torquay about 10 years ago? No, you're thinking Efenokoku. Oh! This is Ijaro Ivero, callback. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I mention it is because he's now um, the Denver Broncos defensive coordinator. And more importantly, he's British. There you go. That make for me makes it significant. So we've got a British coach who's starting to make it in the NFL. I don't care who Excellent. he plays for. Another one. I'm just happy that we've got a British. Who's the other one? We haven't got any more British coaches. Dallas Cowboys. Can't think of the guy's name. He's not that important then. Yeah, no, he is. We're not He's, taking um, Mike McCarthy. We're not claiming him, oh, right? Just in case anyone. Doug Marone. Yeah, the- is it Doug the D line in England? No, no, no. I mean, I'm he's not a, he's defensive Marone. coordinator after the D line coach. Oh, We've got a coordinator. Oh, I just, I just thought he was significant, seeing as we're all British fans, you know. 
I like having a British player in the NFL. Now I've got a British coordinator, and he's for my team as well. I just yeah. hope he's good. Congratulations to Ruben Navarro. Aiden 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 Aiden. There you go. Aiden Aiden. Who? Hilary Duff? No, Aiden Derda. Defensive line coach for the Cowboys. So his next stop will be DC. Uh, well, after Dan Quinn. After, because yeah. Dan Quinn's probably the next head coach in Dallas, but we're going to go on a tangent there. So let's, let's, not. <laughs> let's not tangent that, all right? We are no. going to talk about the Hall of Fame inductee class anyone, did, later anyone on. Anyone feeling demob happy? Because this feels like a bit of an end, end of term podcast at the minute. There's no structure to it. Jim, have you not done your usual homework that you do every week? I'm about to launch into my massive summary of the Super Bowl. (laughs) So I'm going to go make a brew. Give me a shout. You go make a drink. drink. Yeah. (laughs) Here we go then, boys. It was the the Super Bowl. The one we've always made. felony watch this week. I'm sure there was a felony or two. There was. I'm not going to include the felony one. It wasn't serious enough to include, so I'm not going to talk about it. Ah. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. I didn't realise felonies had to be a certain level now. To of course they do. The Misdemeanors don't count, or domestics. <laughs> Not after this season. Do no. you want to hear a funny joke? Do you want to hear a funny joke? I don't. Oh, one Jesus. Of, one of my friends told me this. What do you get? What you know, If you've got uh, a Kansas City Chief linebacker, a Kansas City Chief wide receiver, and a Kansas City Chief secondary in a car, who's driving? The answer, a cop. There's your joke. There you go. <laughs> God. Right, and on that note, on to the now I'm going to do my review. Okay, you're so smiling, just... you're not laughing, but you're at least smiling. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, so following the kickoff hype speech from The Rock, the Bengals won the toss and deferred to the second half. The Rams decided to try and establish a run game through Cam Akers after a first down. Trey Hendrickson got a sack on Stafford, and the Rams punted with a net gain of one yard. The Bengals tried the same thing on their first drive, but ran into Sean Robinson, who was just a wall all evening. The Bengals did try a fourth and one conversion, but Burry missed a wide open T. Higgins while trying to force it to Jamar Chase. Six plays later, and Odell Beckham Jr. was catching a touchdown in the end zone after fading away from Mike Hilton and securing the ball. The teams traded three and outs before Burrow got a big play to Chase, who took it 46 yards to the Rams' 11-yard line. Three incompletions later, however, and the Bengals were settling for a field goal after T. Higgins had a drop under pressure from Jalen Ramsey at the goal line on third down. The next drive ended with the Cooper Cup touchdown on the blown coverage from Eli Apple. The point after was botched by the holder, Johnny Hecker, and it meant that the Bengals were only down by 10. Time for the Bengals' offense to wake up, and the 75-yard drive ended with Joe Mixon turning QB to lob a pass over to T. Higgins in the end zone. Some players make a difference on the field. Others make an impact when they aren't on the field, and OBJ suffered an ACL tear on the next drive. After being the guy who was the clear alternative target for LA, this loss hurt the Rams deeply. Ended with a Hail Mary try from Stafford that Jesse Bates picked off in the end zone. Two more punts and the kneel down ended the half with the Rams up by three. So, boys, that was the first half. What do we think about what happened there? I was pleasantly surprised with the first half because I thought it was going to be... I I thought we have the Bengals coming into their first Super Bowl in a decade, well, in in an age. Um, I thought they were going to be really cagey and I thought it was going to be a really nervous affair. And even though there was lots of three and outs, it didn't feel that way. I mean, they were still trying to drive it down. Beckham was still playing, so it meant the ball was still moving. Mm -hmm. And it just felt like it was a bit more of an open game than I thought it was going to be. It was an enjoyable first half, for sure. First half, first half, I really thought the Rams were going to run away with it. Up until Beckham's injury, mm-hmm. you know, it really had that feeling of all oh, the Bengals keep, you know, three and outing and not really getting anywhere. And, you know, before you know it, the Rams could be 24 up. Um, but I think the Beckham injury really kind of hampered them. So 
it's it's really a case for me that the Bengals kind of got a bit lucky in that first half because that offense, to, I mean, you could tell Beckham was a massive part of the game plan because mm-hmm. Cup was getting double, triple teamed most of the time. There's and obviously, no you know, either. With, with no Higby and absolutely no running game to speak of at all, mm-hmm. um, you know, Beckham was was proving to be the 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 go to guy. So, you know, it's that first half flew by. To be honest, um, again, I thought it was really entertaining. I think both teams, you know, although the Bengals weren't really getting much done and were struggling to put points on the board, you could see what they were trying to do. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Lots, there were still, lots. I think they were still effective on offense. Defense, I thought they were, first half they were very good. They just came up against the Rams team who. Were, on that form with that many options would have put it on most teams. Um, I thought Von Bell in the first half was really effective in his double coverage of, because he was kind of playing the the single high safety at one point and um, we still managed to cover off Cooper Cup as well. Um, and they their commitment to playing man rather than zone and coming in um, and continue to do that through the game. I think the fact that they stuck with it and they managed to neutralise the Rams for so long during that first half after Beckham got injured and the Rams just really didn't in the first half well second half we'll talk about later on but Mm -hmm. in the first half they just didn't really adapt after that uh, Beckham injury and it was just it was all a bit weird and the Beckham injury looked horrible it looked awful really bad anytime Um, there's a non-contact injury and someone just drops the ball grabbing their knee you know what's happening I mean I was watching it on a 20 inch not high definition TV and even I could see it was bad (laughs) Adam, it was bloody awful. Until I looked on Twitter. The, the one thing I do want to, you know, really give the Bengals some praise for is in that first half they really did keep the D line in yes. check as much as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Rams were not getting a huge amount of joy getting through. It was much more the secondary kind of stepping up and and making sure that 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 you know the coverage was tight and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, it took it took that D-line a little while to warm up, but warm up, they definitely did. It did feel a bit to me like the Falcons Super Bowl, where they played great for the first half, but they had used up all their energy, basically like stopping well, that flood. Because the second was, half, was, it, it didn't work. We're going to talk about that. I'll, I'll, but... I'll move on to a question. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm going to save a question I'm going to ask, but I've got a question on that theme, which I think you just mentioned, Jim. So, yeah, I'll mm. save that for the second bit once we've gone through the second half. Okay. A couple of uh, big plays. And obviously, the Odell Beckham, I think, was a massive uh, let-off for the Bengals. I think this probably stopped mm. it from being a rout, uh, not having Beckham on the field. Um, the fourth down, fourth and one on the very first drive for the Bengals, they're at the halfway line, basically. Um, I, I guess I agree with the call to go for it. You need to be brave on in the Super Bowl because if you can't, then you deserve to lose. But Burrow did mess up that that play call because there was an easy out to T Higgins, and he just tried to force it into Jamar Chase and double coverage because he's the guy there's, that you should be covering. But there were some bad the, mistakes. The thing, yeah, I mean there were there were mistakes on both sides in this game, um, and an awful lot of them, but. I didn't well, see you, many I mean, from Stafford. You, you always, not his biggest you fan, always but... have to, well, you know, interception is quite a large mistake. Well, hang on. But... Which Okay, let's talk about the two. <laughs> there's, there's an interception in this first half where he just kind of hail married it into the end zone. As I said, tried to get Van Jefferson, but it went to Jesse Bates. But if you look at it, I mean, it, it was going to be a punt anyway because it was a third down. Uh, it was a third and 14 at the Cincinnati 43-yard line. Okay, the play's broken down. 
and he's just gone for it, gone for the corner of the end zone. I don't really mind that so much because it's so close to the end of the um, end of the half. There was two minutes left. Yeah. No, but I mean, even 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 before that, to a degree, you know, I'm not saying Stafford was having a bad game or anything. I'm just saying that, you know, he was making a few mistakes. He he wasn't necessarily, you know. I mean, half of it was coaching, to be honest. You know, if if your run game isn't working, then you use short passing to to get around that. And it never seemed like Stafford was looking short. He was always looking at his intermediate and long routes. He, you know, there were there were no swing passes. There were no. Uh, um, uh, what am I trying to think of? Jet sweeps. There were no and, swing uh, passes. There were plays. no jet sweeps. There was no toss plays. There was nothing to try and get get some kind of semblance of a, a short game going mm-hmm. um going just going back to your your fourth down for the bengals you know absolutely the right call to make you know whether it's whether it's the super bowl or not you know you've got to, you've got to have the bottle to go and win games yes yeah. it's it and it, you know in this day and age where teams go for it on fourth down so much more than they ever used to I mean, you they probably got five or six plays in the game plan for this exact situation so why not use one early makes makes perfect sense to go for it i'm in a minority on this one i wouldn't have gone for it the reason i wouldn't have gone for it is purely situational so joe burrow in his career has played less than 30 games it's, it's you know he's had a handful of playoff games and it's the first drive it's his first possession in the Super Bowl. Let him go in. If he if he has a three and out, whatever, that's fine. Just let him go in, settle down, and then come out and then do it second drive. I I wouldn't have done it first time. The fact it's fourth and short makes it more of a different. If it's fourth and five, I don't think they do it. Um, I think if if that drive happens on his second or third um, drive, sorry, if that play happens on the second or third drive, I think he converts it, and I think he sees. T. Higgins wide open. He tries to force it because it's his first possession. And that's why I think it was the wrong move. I know there's a lot of hindsight here and I get that. And I'm happy for you to call me out on that because I am looking at this purely as hindsight. But when they did it, I remember texting going, why are they doing that? Why? It's his first set of downs. Just let him go three and out and come off the field. That for me, that's the and way that's, I'm looking at it. That, that is one way of thinking. And, you know, that's that's exactly the kind of thing that the Rams did in the last Super Bowl with Goff. You know, it was it was three and out on the first possession and move oh, on to the next one. Lots on of that teams point, do on it. that point, if my quarterback is Jared Goff, I don't care. You punt on fourth down. <laughs> I, that's a different that's a completely different question. What you're asking there is a different thing. Let's not compare apples and oranges here. You know, it really, it really is to me. It really is one of those coin flip decisions, and it's like that. You know, we're in the seat bolt. We might as well try it. First possession, but, but also, halfway, can, not having it. But, but for me, with the first possession, you can kind of get away with it because even if you end up giving the ball back at the halfway line, you've got the rest of the game to to kind of pull those points back. If you do happen to lose someone on the Rams' next drive, if you yeah, punt it away, man. the odds are you. The odds are that you know, being being at the halfway line your punter's going to end up dropping it in the end zone. It's going to come back out to the 25 anyway. Your net punt is only about 20 yards, so it doesn't really make that much of a difference. I think if you've got a punter who can stay in for the corner, pin him in the 10, then it's momentum and it's pressure. I mean, Um, it it could just be a vote of no confidence in the punter, but... You know, no, Hoover's been there for 200 years. It's one of those, isn't it? So, <laughs> I, anyway, I, anyway, personally, I wouldn't anyway, have been, I get why you would, but yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah, just yeah. the preference thing. Yeah, <laughs> there, was a, there was a period though, um, 
at the end of the first quarter, the start of the second, where we had the two touchdowns. So um, that the touchdown for Cooper Cup, where he kind of went in and out and just either Apple read a book or something, wasn't interested in what was going on. Easy catch for, for Cooper. Not good handling, though, by Johnny Hecker. That made it a much more interesting game, I think, because obviously a four points at certain, you know, you couldn't have gone for a field goal um, if you're the Bengals. And then, of course, the, the longest play for the longest drive, sorry, for the Bengals after that was a 12 play, 75 yards, ending up with, of all things, Joe Mixon throwing the touchdown pass uh, to T. Higgins. I mean, that was and they re- that was they a lot of really fun needed that, that at that point. Yeah. Those, the Bengals really needed that drive at that point. They weren't sustaining things. They were struggling to to get anyone properly open. So actually, that that drive um, came at the perfect time because it, it then gave them the kind of confidence going into the second half that they kind of stolen the momentum back a little bit and had got away with it by only being you know three points down instead of maybe thirteen. Yeah. So you know, I think I think. From from a Bengals point of view, that was that was a massive drive. I'm still not sure I would have trusted Mixon to throw the touchdown pass personally, but you know <laughs> he, he managed it. So just a little nice little lob, little jump lob for, uh, by the guy. Uh, yeah, it was good good play there. Then of course I had interception. Uh, we've gone through that. I think <laughs> really talking about whether that was right or not. I think he was okay to try it. A um, couple of punts. Uh, yeah, and then that was the end of the end of the half. So we're only it's a three point game and we've lost OBJ is kind of the the headline from from that half. That, 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 that kind of is it, isn't it? It's it's going into halftime. It's how do the Rams, you know, because you could see that OBJ was being used a lot. You can you can tell that he was a massive part of the game plan. Um, so it's how do the Rams adjust uh, to losing him and what does their offense look like? And it's can the Bengals now take advantage of the momentum they took towards the end of that half and actually push forward and and kind of become a bit more, a bit more as they have been in the last few weeks, a bit more Bengalish, a little bit more open. And can those receivers, you know, kind of get themselves some separation? Yeah. Yeah. So, half time show. I was a bit disappointed. Well, <laughs> we'll talk about the half time show. And so it was a, I think it was a decent halftime show. So after that, with plenty of nostalgia, the game got back underway. 10 points on two plays in the span of 22 seconds at the outset of the third quarter put Cincinnati ahead for the first time. T. Higgins, 75-yard score on the first play of the second half, made it 17-13, though he clearly tugged Jalen Ramsey's face mask on the play. That was followed one play later by Chidobi Awuzie's pick after a bobble from Brent Skoronek. It gave the Bengals great field position, but the Rams once again kept them out of the end zone. Evan McPherson tied Adam Vinatieri's postseason record with his 14th field goal, a 38-yarder. The rookie just didn't miss in the postseason. That had the Bengals up by seven, but the next four Bengals drives, they got a total 11 yards. The Rams got a field goal off their next drive, but the offensive spark was clearly blunted by OBJ not being available. As the teams continued to trade punts, the Bengals' O-line was beginning to show their true colours. Joe Burrow got folded like a buffalo table with just under 12 minutes to go, limping off the field with the now-diagnosed MCL sprain. You get the impression if this was a regular season game, he wouldn't have come back out again. Time for the longest drive of the game for the Rams. Sparked by Cooper Cup converting a fourth and one on a jet sweep to get the drive moving. A third down at the Bengals' eight-yard line got flagged for defensive holding on Logan Wilson. The next play, Cooper Cup brought in the catch under heavy hit, but the touchdown was ruled out for offsetting penalties. A couple of plays later, and Cup's getting the quick fade pass over Relay Apple to retake the lead. The final drive for the Bengals, and Aaron Donald's time to finish the game. 
He stopped Samaji Pirone one-handed from picking up a first down, then matrixes his way through Quinton Spain to wrap up Joe Burrow and end the game. With the final score in SoFi, boys, Bengals 20, Rams 23. And me significantly richer. <laughs> yeah. When are you going to share some of that with us, then? Behave. <laughs> we taught you everything you knew. <laughs> <laughs> really, really interesting second half. Um, it, although it did feel like the, the Rams were kind of holding their, keeping their powder dry as long as possible for that last, last kind of proper drive for themselves. I, I, I think the Rams, I don't know what happened to them. They just completely seem to lose the plot at half time and go, oh, we're just going to keep running it for one yard and punting away. It's ridiculous. I, I don't know what coaching was happening on the sidelines there, but, you know, we were, uh, I was certainly kind of, you know, throwing it all over Twitter and text and everything else. It was just a case of like, for God's sake, you can see it's not working, do something different. I mean, you know, the refs, the refs did help the Bengals somewhat with that blatant face mask on Ramsey but you know it's correct on on the on the whole you know the refereeing wasn't too bad no I thought I thought it was it was quite a nice clean game um but, but for me once that but, that face mask wasn't called I lost any sympathy for the Bengals whatever happened late on the last drive for the for the Rams because I'm oh, like absolutely. okay Logan Wilson okay I don't really think he held uh T Higgins or maybe it was Jamal I can't remember it was Jamal Mace or T Higgins but Okay, you got flagged got for that, but early, you, got a tu- you got a touchdown that shouldn't yeah. have counted. So you're seven points further on than you should be, boys. I can't, I can't feel sorry for you that you're getting a flag now at this point. No, absolutely. And you know, I think, I think the second half started a bit slowly after that. It was kind of like, oh, bang. Okay, there's the continuation of the momentum going into halftime, and then everything seemed to just kind of settle. And it wasn't until Burrow, until Donald had that hit on Burrow where he pushed him over on the sideline and the melee appeared. And yeah. all of a sudden, you know, that seemed to spark Aaron Donald into life. That, 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 the, before then, the, the, the D line and the Rams that we'd said had obviously was going to be one of the major factors in this Super Bowl hadn't really appeared. They'd done their job, but they weren't being spectacular and they weren't getting the sacks. And, you know, Burrow was staying pretty clean, to be honest. But as soon as the whole Bengals bench got up and wanted to fight Aaron Donald, that was it. He just went into like Oops. Hulk mode, you know? And this is, I, this I, is the I, question I don't know if they pissed him off or, or anything else, but all of a sudden they just flicked the switch and that was it. That D line started taking over. Well, this is the question I was going to ask earlier on uh, when I said I'd leave it to the second half. Was it that the. Is it one of three things, the defensive line taking over? Was it, A, that they got a bit Hulk rage and went, no, screw you, we're going to, you know, um, and had that extra motivation? Is it, B, that the Bengals players just got knackered because, you know, playing on offensive line is more tiring than playing on defensive line? Uh, or is it C, that they figured them out tactically? They figured out ways to get around them and ways to apply pressure because they moved earlier on from one thing that was noticeable, they moved from having a standard four-set rush to having, you know, four-set with men running from outside. And it wasn't blitzing, but it wasn't far off. So there it's, was a small tactical change, but I don't feel, it doesn't feel like that was the significant difference. It's a combination. It's all of the above, to be honest. Mm. I think... Um, 
McDonald kind of, I think, I think there was a couple, a couple of things at play, wasn't it? It was the Rams. It was very obvious the Rams offense weren't doing anything. And it, I think the defense probably got together on the sideline and said, look, if we're going to win this, we're going to have to do something. So that's where the coaching comes in. And you make those small adjustments. Um, Donald had been really quiet up until um, the altercation with the whole Bengals bench. Now, whether it was that that sparked it off or whether he just got to the point where he'd been keeping his powder dry a little bit in the first half and then decided, right, now is the time to unleash it. You know, we'll have to ask him when we see him. But mm-hmm. it's it's really a case for, for for me. I think I think the Bengals pissed him off. I think there'd been some trash talking after that. And I think I think he just got annoyed and said, lads, come on, let's, let's just go and win this Super Bowl and shut them up and, you know, put them to bed um which is pretty much exactly what happened then you know after, it was yeah after that field goal then so after they got the interception because ben skronik just pushed the ball up into the air like he was playing volleyball and I mean, Weezy caught it um i mean Rams i could have played from scoring a touchdown. receiver better than that yeah Rams yeah. stopped no, him from scoring the touchdown but after that yeah. Burrow's last 22 drop decks drop backs he got sacked seven times yeah, but that's what I mean. There was nothing up to... So it, we're talking, what, three quarters of the way through the third quarter onwards? A bit before that, that to be honest. <laughs> little bit, all right, halfway through yeah. the third quarter onwards. Yeah. He didn't... You know, he got sacked seven times in a quarter and a half of football. Yeah. It, you know, that's the Rams' defence switching it on. That's not necessi- That's not so much the Bengals getting tired or, you know, this, that and the other. It was... the Rams. The Rams just tactically got it right on the defence in the second half. Yeah, I think obviously that kind of gut punch of getting the touchdown for T Higgins where they felt robbed and then the interception straight after was a complete shock for the Rams. Uh, especially as they yeah. got into half up, they were probably expecting a bit more of the same, but um, they had to regroup. I think that one, one thing I heard was that they learned from the Patriots game by not abandoning the run when they were behind what they did against the Patriots was just abandon the run and then got picked off, you know, but they insisted on con- continuing to run the ball because it at least kept them honest uh, in the secondary. So they had a chance to then get it to someone like Cooper cup or Bryson Hopkins had one decent third down. Conversion you mean as Buccaneers, well. not Patriots? No, I mean the, Rams. the Patriots, the Rams played the Patriots. When? They learned- Four years ago, when Jared got oh that oh points. that Super Bowl the last time yes. that, yeah last time Sean McVay was in the Super Bowl and he learned this lesson from that because when he was losing to the Patriots he abandoned the run and then got yes. picked off right okay I'm that's with what you. I was talking about not talking about the Bucks or anyone else I thought you were talking about this season I was like no no I'm saying the Patriots they, <laughs> as infuriating as it was because like you said punk they could have switched up a little bit they could still have the running game but they didn't have to run a gap all the time um but he no, insisted it, on doing that because it then allowed them on that last drive to to move the ball or no, it, well or it, it just felt like they went sod it we've got to throw double coverage to Cooper Cup or no look it and just hope it comes off I, and it did I think but, it got to the I think it got to the point honestly where they kind of went all right we've not been going to cup because he's been double covered but nothing else is working no none of these other receivers are stepping up you know I think we just don't have a choice now and we have to do it because yeah. there's only you know four minutes left or whatever in the game and it's really a case of of you know, now or never if you're going to go and win the Super Bowl um, 
there was one pass in that drive that you've probably seen repeated about a hundred thousand times on Twitter already, and that's the no look. I think it was on was it on third down, one one of the third downs just into the Bengals half, and there's a no look pass that Stafford throws to Cup where he's I think double it's covered. Second and seven. Is it second and seven? But it's just a thing of beauty. If Patrick Mahomes had, had made that no-look pass, people would be absolutely creaming themselves over it for the next five years. But, you know, it was just an absolute thing of beauty. It really was. And when you, you watch it from, from the camera high and from behind, it's even better because mm-hmm. you can see that he's looking at least – he's looking at, like, two o'clock and he's thrown the ball at, at, at like 12 o'clock and he just knows Cup is going to be there. It's Do you know something? If Cooper Cup would have been wide open and he'd have had three attempts, Drew Locks wouldn't have made that pass, even if he was looking <laughs> straight at him. Oh, Drop give it a man. rest. Jesus. <laughs> That's your quarterback you're talking about for next season. Teddy G- Might be next it. season. Uh, unlikely. So- <laughs> Yeah, so then we go the kind of the flag start to come out a little bit on the on the goal line for the for the, the Rams. Helped them out a little bit. They did get a third in goal. Um and there was an incomplete pass short to the middle. That was the Logan Wilson holding, uh, which then gave him first and goal at the four, because it went half the distance. Uh the touchdown was nullified, there was an incomplete, and then Stafford tried a goal line sneak. That would have given me some money if he'd got that. Uh, and then, of course, second and goal, just a quick fade over Eli Apple. Uh, seems very easy. Didn't have a great game, did he, Eli? No. I don't think he had a terrible game. I don't think he was terrible, but... I thought he was picked on a few... He was targeted a few of the, the big plays, but yeah. generally, I thought coverage, he was fine. Um, I don't I don't think he had a bad game. I just think he, it was unfortunate that uh, at times it was it was him. I, I thought you were a bit harsh on him earlier, Jim, about him. He went wandering for a but I think he just got beat Where by a two thousand yard. I thought I think he got beat by a two thousand yard receiver. Let let's not go mad for him, all right? You know, <laughs> he just stood he in was, the middle and just didn't do anything. Come on. I'm, anyway, I'm sure he was trying his best. I wasn't <laughs> as nasty as I might have been with that potential saying he was reading a book. I wasn't as nasty as people like McCall Hartman after the game. Did you see the, the, the people brutal. lining up to have a go at him? That play the and game. it wasn't even 10 minutes after the final whistle. No, they, they had them queued. They had them queued <laughs> yeah, to go. Definitely. They were all lined up and ready to go. So I don't know. I don't quite know what Eli Apple's done to, to enrage the entire Dave knows. Uh, NFL. But Dave knows what they Me. call him. What, what do they call Eli Apple? Oh, a cancer on the dressing room. That's yeah. what um, the Giants called him. Because the Giants drafted him in, I want to say 50. I was in New York when you he were there. drafted. I was there. I think it was 2015-16. Well, we, we were staying in Times Square. And obviously, you know, Eli Apple being drafted by the Giants and his name's Apple. And blah, Times Square was taken over and his face was all there. It was massive. Then he turned out to be a bust. Um, he was a first-round pick, got released two years later. I mean, it was ridiculous. So that's only been beaten by the Giants, by DeAndre Baker, who got them from robbery. Um, and he was a first-round pick and got released a season later. They've got a you know, get This is Gettleman's Hall of Fame, this is. Um, he then went to New Orleans. He had a bit of a rough time with New Orleans. Then he went somewhere else, and then the Bengals, I think. I think there might have been somewhere in between it. In the Bengals, everyone says, look, he's a man now, not a boy. Saints. It's just, it's he's a Saints for a season, was wasn't he? That's what I said. He was at the Saints, yeah. and then he went somewhere between the Saints and the Bengals, I believe. 
Um, I might be slightly wrong on that, but basically, you know, and it doesn't surprise me that Miko Hardman um, comes out and slags off uh, a, a back who knocked him out of the championship game. Boo-hoo. Pipe down and get back to your off-season drug It wasn't taken, just McCall Hardman. Allegedly. It wasn't just McCall Hardman. Uh, yeah, if we look at the overall stats, boys, for the game, I mean, the, the big numbers here is that the uh, the Rams completed all three of their red zone attempts. So three of three, they got into the end zone. The Bengals only managed one of three. Other than that, though, it was fairly close. There were about 10 yards between them in total yards. Uh, time of possession was about a minute and a half difference in favour of the Rams. But For me, it felt like the Bengals were hitting the big plays and the Rams were hitting consistent plays. And that, yeah. to me, felt like the big difference was that, you know, Bengals would get big chunks, but not necessarily long drives that eat the clock. And then, you know, the Rams would, would be hitting those kind of intermediate routes and just, just moving the chains and moving the clock and being fairly methodical in what they were trying to do. Um, one, one question I have for you two, and I've not satisfactorily found an answer to this yet. On that final play, the fourth and one, where Donald is draped all over the back of Burrow yeah. with his, you know, knackered MCL. And Burrow's kind of half flipped the ball out towards Pirine. Do you not think Pirine could have made a little bit more of an effort to go and get that ball when he saw it in the air? Because to me, it kind of flies about a foot and a half in front of him. It does look close uh, from the the uh, main camera angle that we were seeing live, but I think the replay camera showed it was a little bit further away than you think. Maybe it looked. I don't know. Yeah, I just haven't. He haven't would have really had to seen have any Superman that... stretch to get it. And but it's the yeah. last second of the Super Bowl. Would you not try the Superman stretch? I just, I just <laughs> felt like he could have put a little more effort into. So Margie at least Piron could make the one yard on the I... play beforehand because. Donald had one oh, hand there on is him. That. So, yeah, but Donald I mean, had a hand on him then. He didn't have a hand on him at the, for the catch. He's also so. not the, he's not the target for the play. He's there as a decoy anyway, so he's not expecting I mean, him to get flown in his general direction. So he's not athletic. It was it was there. close. It was close, but it wasn't it wasn't like Gaza ninety six against Germany. You know, no, it wasn't that. Close. No. no, it wasn't an inch away. It was, it was, <laughs> if right, you're under thirty, go in. If you're under thirty, go and ask your dad. There you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, he'll remember. <laughs> but I, th- I mean, generally, I thought it was a good Super Bowl. I thought it was an interesting Super Bowl. I, I did too. have a fear of a blowout about halfway through the first half. Um, I think, I think it was I thought, the best I Super it was Bowl. Tactically interesting. Best Super Bowl since 2016, in terms of pure enjoyment, for me. Okay. That's why I go. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of back and forth, I think yeah, at least it wasn't a blowout. At least it wasn't boring. I think you could ever say it was yeah. boring. What's going on? And right. um, no one ever yeah. Yeah, broke away. But like, like I said, OBJ I think was the reason for that. You could tell the game plan. Everyone knew the game plan was going to be for OBJ because he was going to be single covered. And he only had two catches for fifty-three yards. I think it was and a touchdown. But you just knew that he was the target, and he would have. Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced he would have got two or three touchdowns in this game. Oh, he would massively, absolutely he would have done. And I think he probably would have had two or three by half time, to be honest. Because it it you know, I, the Bengals just couldn't cope with him. But as soon as soon as they were trying to cope with Jefferson and the lad whose name I keeps escaping me, but I don't think should be a wide receiver in the NFL. Well, after uh, Van Jefferson. Yeah, who's their fourth receiver that came in that kept dropping it? 
In terms of in terms of name earlier, Skoronek. In was it? That's the, the one. Skoronek, the chronic. <laughs> wow, tight end. Skoronek. He looks looks like a. Receiver. Well, the the other tight the other tight end was um, Bryson Hopkins. Hopkins. Yeah, because um, yeah, I I get him on Madden every now and again because he's a good pickup. But um, <laughs> no, he's. I think he's he's a blocking tight end who was asked to do a job that's not that he's not there to do. So you know, well well done to him. But yeah, Skoronek dropped a couple. He dropped one in the preseason where it hit him on the chest, and then it dropped down and bounced on his foot and was nearly intercepted. And it was on, um, well, what's that show? Come on, man, or whatever they do. You know that thing where they show funny clips, and it was one of those. And it was almost right. like clip of the week or something because it was ridiculous. So yeah, he's not got the best. He won't be there next season. Put it that way. <laughs> he hasn't got the best history. <laughs> he's got a ring. He doesn't care. He's got a ring. Nah, he's not yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's freaking pawn it, aren't he? Yeah. Flogged that and pay his mortgage off. <laughs> so one of the big controversies after the game was that Cooper Cup was the MVP. What do we think? I don't think in so. hindsight. I I personally I think Donald won the game for the Rams. I think I think the defense did a lot more to win that game than the offense did. Although the offense did drive down and get that touchdown at the end. I think if Cup had, you know, if we're talking ten for 180 and two touchdowns. Yeah, I can kind of give it to him, but I don't think his numbers were that gaudy. I'm not even sure he made a hundred yards. So no, 92. Yeah. yeah. So you know, for me, I think I think the impact really came from the D line giving the chances to the offense because the offense for a good quarter weren't doing anything at all. So for me, I would have given it to Donald, but I'm you, know, you lot know me. I'm biased towards the D line anyway. <laughs> Certainly so. are. I would have given it Von Miller. You know, he got he got two he got two, he sacks. Got two sacks. Yeah, he did, he yeah. Right. Um he, constant pressures. Um and there was a couple of times he dropped off in coverage as well. Um you're not just being a little bit Denveristic fairly. Yes, of course I am. Mm. That's the most ridiculous thing you've ever said, of course it is. <laughs> there were some, no, some key listen, players. Aishon Robinson was a wall in the run game. I mean Collinsworth yes. brought it up several times. Yeah, he was. If he's he on was. the field, don't bother running it. Because he was just stopping yeah. everything that went through. So I thought it was it was very good that Collinsworth actually managed to stay kind of impartial as well. Oh, he is, you know. I like Collinsworth. Well, no, he, I mean, me, Al, Al, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth are the best commentary team the NFL has. For oh, yeah, me. No, they're, I'm, they're I'm not disputing that. All I'm saying is that, you know, Collinsworth played in the last Super, <laughs> Super Bowl for the Bengals. So, you know, it's 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 very natural that <laughs> yeah, he would but... occasionally err on the side of oh yes, yeah, but let's go. Okay, now get now get loads of husbands to commentate on their ex wives and see how loyal they are. Come on. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> You know, wow. it's not definitively saying just because you were once I mean, in a relationship it means you're you, you know, know uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm doing NFL commentators a disservice, but you know, I think, certainly I in, think a in lot the Premier League and things, you hear a lot of commentators that oh, will yeah. always yeah, favour one side over another. I mean, you know? I just, I'm just thankful I can't understand a bloody word that Jamie Carragher says. Otherwise, I'd be outraged <laughs> by the way he goes on about Liverpool. Despite let's move on from that. Yeah, let's. I think I thought the commentators were good, though. I thought I think they yeah. they remained engaged. And you're right. You know, Michaels and Collinsworth are the best. I'm. Too. At it. Although not, I do love Nance and Romo as well. I'm not a massive Romo fan. I love Romo. No, I think Romo's just, great in the commentary I'm not a box. massive Romo fan. I know I'm just waiting for the day where he calls the wrong play. 
he's done that a couple of times he's done that a couple of times he tries to style it out they're like oh that's not what you should have done it's like shut up you mug you got it wrong <laughs> i just i'm just glad it wasn't a romo super Bowl. i'm not sure i could handle that i, I think Tariko is my favorite commentator Mike Tariko. Tariko. play by play Tariko's very good he's very smooth yeah, I still like Collinsworth. Cute. I still like Collinsworth. If he's the colour guy, oh, he's the colour commentator. If it's, it's a Collinsworth or no, it's Al, Mike- Al Michaels is the dude. He's the player. No I think Tariko is my favourite player. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing we can do about that now, is there? <laughs> um, yeah. So that was the game. I mean, we could talk about some other stuff, but I, you know, I think we can move on. I think we're. I, I liked, think the, the I right liked. team won. I think that you know, yeah. the Bengals I have nothing to be ashamed of. The Gatorade bath was blue. I thought that was very good. That was the turn up, like, wasn't it? I like that they went blue. Oh my God. Yeah, a long time since it's blue. Yeah, blue's, blue's not your normal Gatorade colour, is it? Let's be honest. No. But, but for anyone that's noticed from... really go for the orange, could they? No. Anyone that noticed from last last week, we all picked the Rams. No, we didn't. Dave, you no, picked the Bengals didn't. to win this game, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> Oh, I mean, can I just say, just, just the record, it's the first one in the playoffs I got wrong. I think I had 100% going up to that point. I know yeah, I did mate. say, I did say, look, it was an outside outside uh, punt. And, you know, it wasn't ridiculous. It was it was very close. And if anyone listens to the um, podcast after the outro music, they would also hear your true thoughts on the uh, on the pick as well. <laughs> did you put that in there? Yeah. That was left in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> So, therefore, I got all of the playoff ones right then. Nope. You know what I was saying. <laughs> but, hey, but listen. Officially. Um, you know, last week, I went through that monster bet. What was it? 335, God, 355 yeah. to 1. Yeah. So, I'm not going to go through all of what it was again. I'll give you the ones I got wrong. Um, the Bengals would lose the first half by two and a half points, or they would win the half by two and a half points. So, they're allowed to lose it by up to two and a half. What was the score at halftime, Jim? Three points. Three oh, 13 to 10 a, is that what you're saying? Yeah, half a point off. I was half a point. The other one, Joe Burrow, would get a total of 267 yards. How many yards did he get, Jim? 263. I was so close to getting 355 quid. So close. All the others came in. I do know one of our listeners was a Jalen Ramsey interception away from 2,000 pounds. Oh, so, yeah. That's that that must have been a bit gutting. Um, especially as as the only other thing that let him down on that was um I think Matt Stafford ended up two yards short of what was required yards wise. Yeah, two eighty three, yeah, so two eighty five. Can you can you imagine how gutted right. you'd be if Ramsey had got that? Because he did have a chance. He had a chance at one in the first half. Yeah. And then T. Higgins actually ripped it, ripped it away from him. But can you imagine losing that bet on like two yards from Matt Stafford, it would just, be, <laughs> that would be annihilating. Yeah. My my bet that came in was a touchdowns for Cooper Cup and T Higgins under 48 and a half points, which sound, which is actually really low considering that all it means is one team's got to get, both teams get, one team gets 25 points, the other one gets 24. That's it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's decent odds. And then the Rams would win by uh, between one and 13 points. Um, five are on free bet. Thank you very much, Paddy Power. Um, 168 quid. So, the only, yeah, the only one I won on yeah. was my sack bet. So I had Donald, sack bet? Donald Miller, Hendrickson all to get a sack. Um, 12 to 1. And there to be over four sacks and four sacks by the Rams. 16 so, to 1. 
Yeah, it was it was something like that. That's Five or an eighty quid. Bad. I lived. It was fine. It was Jim, fine. What about you? Worked nicely. Um, well, I got away. I covered all my other bets that lost anyway. Put it that way. I got. Away I, I put three on. Higgins touchdown. I put three on and two one. So I was I was happy with that. T Higgins scored a touchdown for me. So that was nice. There was another one as well. Uh, can't remember now. Thanks very much for putting him on the spot. <laughs> um, huh? Yeah. I think OBJ getting a touchdown as well. So yeah, those two scoring. If, if you come out of a Super Bowl having broken even, I think you've had a successful night. There's been plenty Absolutely. of Super Bowls when I've come away having lost a skinful. But no, I did all yes. right this this time. So you did very well this time. Trumpet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the other one I won was a, a bet builder. It was only eighteen to one. So I'll not worry too much about that one. <laughs> so there we go. It, there we go. That is the Super Bowl reviewed. <sighs> um, yeah. Before we go, we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame inductee class. Um, yeah, because yeah, this felt a little bit like, you know, last chance saloon for some of these people. Uh, we talked about this on the Patreon about who we thought should have gone in, uh, who we'd have mm. chosen from the, the list of eligible um, players. Uh, didn't seem to go with it because this is the first time that no ballot entry, no first time ballot entries have happened for the first time since 2012. So, It'll be the last time for about another 20 years as well. Yeah. Which is um, probably why they got them in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Can I, ask a dumb, can I ask a dumb question? What? Is there a limit on the amount of players that they can induct in a season? Is it like you can only yes. put five in? Or could, could they yes. just one no, year go, this year. No. let's put 15. Let's put 15. Could they do there that? Is there is a limit. There is. Yeah, there's a limit. I think it's like nine or something. It's the, it's could, the max could they, they do one play. year where they just go... Do you know what? It's Brady and Roethlisberger this year. That's it. No one else. It's only... The... Can they do that as well? Or do, do they, they have... Do. I mean, yeah. it's very unlikely because they tend to do posthumous ones and, you know, mm. various ones. There's a contributor one. There's a head coach. Players, yeah, contributor and so on well, and so forth. So. When you think about it, so when Brady and Roethlisberger go in, they're going to yeah. be eligible because they'll be out of the league for five years. No one's yeah. hiring Zimmer, so he's going to be eligible then to go in after five years as well because he's going to get another <laughs> job. And he'll be five years out. But there's there's head coaches that have won Hockey Super Bowls. I know, I know. Yeah. Don't spoil the joke. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, let's go through the ones that did. So Tony Baselli, uh, one of the best left tackles for production, uh, he only gave up 15 and a half sacks in his entire career, and then he got flagged 11 times as well. Uh, he had a botched shoulder surgery that cut short his career, but seven the Jags seasons, never had the ball. Yeah, five Pro Bowls and named to the All Decade team in the nineties. This was his sixteenth mm. year of eligibility for the Hall of Fame, so it's his sixteenth time lucky. In he goes. How difficult is it to block a three and out? Come on. <laughs> he did up against some pretty serious uh, pass rush. Oh yeah, no, he would have done, but you know, it's still yeah. No, it's I one mean, of them, isn't it? yeah, sixteenth time. Yeah, Cliff Branch. Cliff Branch, world-class sprinter. One of the fastest receivers for much of his career. He averaged more than 17 yards a catch. His 1,111-yard, 12-touchdown season in 76 came on just 46 receptions. He won three Super Bowls and was named All-Pro three times as well. A bit more than Baselli did. Yeah. <laughs> no, Branch, Branch deserves it. I mean, he, we've been trying to get him in for ages. The problem is you've had this massive logjam of wide receivers. Yes. You know? Um, and and it's really not helped anybody, but yeah, I'm glad he's got in now. He deserves it. Definitely deserves it. Leroy Butler, another one getting in 16th time lucky. Uh, safety for the Packers. He had eight, 38 career interceptions to go with 20 and a half career sacks and 13 forced fumbles. 
but it was part of a Packers team that went to the NFC Championship game three consecutive times and reached two consecutive Super Bowls, winning one of them. He was the last member of the 90s all-decade team to get into the Hall of Fame. He also invented the Lambeau Leap. He did. He yeah. did. That's quite interesting yeah. that he had so many interceptions and sacks. So clearly versatile as a safety. I've got to do everything safety. Yeah, and like he, Justin Simmons, he, he he was very he was a very similar type of player actually to Cam Chancellor. Yes, in that he oh, could. I love he Cam was Chancellor. he was very he was very comfortable playing the run as much as he was dropping into pass coverage, and also you know being able to go and sack a quarterback if he needed to. So yeah, he was. I mean, they, you know, it's those Packer teams back then were not always necessarily great, but they had enough pieces around that actually they were always fairly reasonable to watch. And I hadn't realised his stats were that good, to be honest. What, <laughs> what era did he play in? So he's a, he's kind of one of those late 90s, Brett, around the Brett Favre time. Yeah. yeah okay. Kind of early to mid Brett Favre years. So he probably would have played in a couple of Super Bowls. Could he have played in two consecutive Super Bowls? He won one of them. Yeah. Yeah, could he have uh, could he have made it in today's game? Do you think with the physical differences of the players of that time and now? Yeah, because yeah. he's basically Cam Chancellor. He's ba- he's the prototype Cam Chancellor. And to be at, honest, at that point, that's one of the biggest um, that's one of the biggest compliments that you can play players from the. Late well, I'm, ju- I'm just trying to relate it to a player that yeah. I know you got you you definitely know you know, and and I'd say style wise, it's probably the closest. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's as good as Chancellor. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd need to sit down and refresh my memory on on how he used to actually play. But you know, I think I think anytime you've got a safety that is just as good, it's like Ronnie Lott. You know, I mean, Ronnie Lott was definitely a level above both of those guys. But you know, someone that 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 can really just put hits out there doesn't matter if it's a running back or a receiver or you know taking on a flipping lineman or even dragging down a quarterback you know anytime you've got a player that's that versatile it can only do good things for your defense mm-hmm. what was it that bill Walsh, bill walsh used to say ronnie light is not a safety he's a football player Simple yeah exactly that. you know he's the guy that chopped the end of his finger off just so he could carry on playing <laughs> For those of you that don't know, you get 20 chances, 20 years worth of eligibility to join the Hall of Fame, and that's it. After 20 times of not being selected, you're out. This was the last chance saloon for linebacker Sam Mills, who played for the Saints and then the Panthers, so last chance and he gets in. Being five foot nine didn't stop him having 700 tackle seasons. A five-time pro bowler selected to both the Saints' ring of honour as well as the Panthers' Hall of Honour. The Panthers' Hall of Honour. Coined the, he coined the keep pounding chant for the Panthers when he was their assistant coach as well. So, a man that played above his stature. He's a marketing genius. Yes. Yeah. Well done to Sam Mills. I, mean, I think we picked him, actually, to go in. Um, we did. Just because his we stats are insane. And, yeah, to be 5'9 yeah. and do all that is, is pretty special. Um, so, a Belichick favourite, Richard Seymour, knocked down 39 passes during his career. He had 57 and a half sacks and had three 50 tackle seasons on the interior of a two gap system for much of his career. He was named to seven Pro Bowls and was a first team All Pro three times. Belichick just said that he, yeah, I think he said in one game where Seymour didn't do anything, like didn't record any sacks or force thumbs or anything. He said he was the best player in the game. So, just being on the field seemed to be enough. Uh, for Richard Seymour See, to, to cause some damage. 
see Seymour's a funny one for me because I never we never saw the best of him at the Raiders, obviously. Well, no, but but you could always tell that everyone that you were playing against would pay attention because he was on the field. Yeah. So you know, Seymour to me was. I, I never, I mean, maybe it's because he was a patriot. I don't know. He was never a guy that really kind of grabbed me and kind of went, I am an amazing D lineman, you know what I mean? But, you know, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Put him in. That's fine. I mean, there's a glowing and dying. If ever you've heard of I'm just, if this I didn't is, love him. I, we didn't see I'm the not, best of him, but everyone else seemed to respect him. Yeah, well, that's him. it, you know. And it, 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 he's just one of those players that, to me, was, you know, Belichick will always talk him up and talks up a lot of his players and so on and yeah. so forth. But Richard Seymour never, to me, was, was one that stood out. Do you know what I mean? It was So he must have been very good in the locker room. Yeah. Because... You know, on the field, his numbers were not Reggie White's. They were not, you know, anybody, anybody, any other defensive end that I can think of. Brian Young, you know. Like, see, it was on a two-gap <laughs> system a lot. You know, it's the interior defensive lineman. So, yeah, I know. 57 he's, and a half sacks. Know, Warren Sapp. It's a, yeah, no, he's, he's, he, don't get me wrong. He was, he was a good player. I just, I question whether the fact that you won, what, three Super Bowls or whatever with that Patriots team. I don't think he won the Super Bowl. He was named Did to seven not, Pro Bowl. He must have won. He was named to seven he Pro Bowls and won the one. first team all Pro three times, but there's no record of Super Bowl. Yeah. Would you like to know an interesting fact about Richard Seymour? Go on. He starred in an episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. There you go. As if himself? not remembered for anything else. I don't know. I haven't seen the episode. I'm going to just see what, <laughs> you, what you want from me. Why are you putting me on well, it would like say that? on, if you're looking at IMDb, it would say I'm, I'm not. It's Google, mate. I've just said that. Pay attention. Come on. Oh. Useless. Yeah, I know. What do you want from me? That's the best you've ever got out of me. Don't shine on me. <laughs> on my parade. I'm sorry. I'm just going to check quickly if you want to see. Well, yeah, he won three. Damn it. There you go. <laughs> what did they say? Yeah. he must have done. Yes. You don't get in the Hall of Fame from that team if you're not winning Super Bowl, sure. Uh, James Avery never won 36, Super Bowl. 38, and 39. Yeah, the first three. So the, yeah. the first three in that. The sixth and last player to get in and 10th time lucky for Niners defensive tackle, Bryant Young, a four-time Pro Bowl selection. He finished with 89 and a half career sacks, including five seasons of at least eight sacks. He won the league's comeback player of the year award in 99 after a return from a leg injury that threatened to end his career, then played eight more seasons. He was, I mean, he was, he was one of those monster uh, DNs of the, uh, mid mid nineties and those those really good forty nine er teams from from kind of that period. Um, yeah, some of the battles he'd have with the Cowboys and things were absolutely brutal to watch. But and you know, like you said, he uh, he he. I, I actually remember him breaking his leg, and it was absolutely horrific. It was one, kind of one of the one of the first ones I really remember where you actually saw the leg bending the wrong way and all yeah. the rest of it. So. Yeah, and um, don't don't Google it unless you've got a strong stomach. Yeah, just yeah, don't Google it. <laughs> um, interesting thing about Brian Young. He definitely he, deserved his comeback player of the year award. Yeah. yeah, interesting thing about Brian Young. He was in an episode of um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. You're an absolute liar. It's Bryant <laughs> Young, I mean, not Brian Young. <laughs> no, but no, no. There was a guy called Brian Young. Oh my God's sake, put some respect on Bryant Young's name. <laughs> Those are the players. Uh, yeah, no, he, 
Those are the players. Very, very <laughs> consistent. Very consistent defensive end, Bryant Young. Yes. And for me, yeah, he, he is deserving of being in there. Uh, tenth time lucky. Uh, Dick Vermeil led all three franchises he coached, the Eagles, the Rams, and the Chiefs to the playoffs, led two to the Super Bowl, and won Super Bowl 34 with the Rams. His record of 120 wins to 109 losses isn't as good as a lot of head coaches who aren't in the Hall of Fame, but Vermeil did turn around the Eagles and Rams franchises who were terrible before he arrived. He actually managed to turn the Eagles around when there wasn't even a free agency to do so. So that was pretty impressive. He actually took a stint out as well, um, about 16 years, I think, in between the Eagles and Rams. Did some TV work uh, before coming back in. Uh, did some college coaching as well. Uh, a likeable guy, bit old, well, old school now, but at the time, some of the things he brought in was uh, a bit revolutionary in the he, game. He, so. he was one of those great man managers. Yes. Um, if you if you ever listen to Kurt Warner talking about Dick Vermeil, he always says like you know how much he played him up and, you know, gave him the confidence to go out and, and play that season properly. Um, that the, They did win the Super Bowl in, and, you know, Kurt Warner, anyone doesn't know, was stacking shelves yeah. before that. So, you know, it's uh, it's testament to how much of a, a, a good coach he was for players. Um, whether he ever did enough to get into the Hall of Fame is probably up for debate, <laughs> if I'm brutally honest. Yeah. I think Especially with probably, 16 years between jobs. But, yeah. I think it's probably his appearances on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That, that really might be, yes. That might have been That might be something yeah. I've just made that up. Bit. He might not. He might have been in it. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, and last but not least, or possibly least, Art McNally, the, uh, named him as a contributor. He started his NFL journey as a field judge in 1959. Nine years later, he was the league supervisor of officials. He's been instrumental in the evolution of officiating in the league and pushing for technology to help the refs. Um, and so a 50-year career in the game as a ref and then head of officiating and all the way through. So, yeah, anything long, long about service award. Yeah, how many like refs are on the field, all those kind of things. He was instrumental in kind of pushing for you know, improvements in the game. There isn't a referee in the Hall of Fame, is there? He's yeah. the first one. He's he's the first one. one. He was okay. a field judge. He's the first one. He's the first yeah, one. Yeah, field judge. Because I I just want Ed Hockley to get in there so we get to see his guns again. Oh, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. Obviously, this was a bit of a kind of... I think it's going to be a bit more like what the draft is going to be this year. Very kind of all very solid players, but no spectacular standout, you know, superstars. They didn't take the first year eligible candidates like Demarcus Ware, Andre Johnson, and Devin Hester, who we all said we would have put all of them in uh, if we had the chance. Now that I mean, that could be recency bias on our part in that you know we remember their careers a lot more clearly than we yeah, do necessarily fair. the older players, but. You know, I think someone like Devin Hester can consider himself really unlucky. You know, being the best player to specifically in in one specific area of the game, being the best player ever to have done it, I think you know Hester especially should be a little bit disappointed that he hasn't got in this year. But you say that we don't remember them, but this is some of them the sixteenth time or twentieth time of getting yeah, selected. No, so I agree. they have been I up agree. for selection that many times and have been passed over so even the old boys have gone well there's other people more deserving until now yeah no true that is true i'm just Under, it know. felt a bit underwhelming to me yeah yeah but like you say i mean even when you go through kind of andre johnson and those guys that were first 
first ballot eligible. There's no one really superstar that stands out. I think we when we had this conversation previously, Patrick Willis is not first year. We kind of went, but yeah, probably should go in. Maybe, maybe, but you know, again, it's it's not like you've got you know a Ben Roethlisberger and a he who shall not be named on <laughs> on the paper to to go in this year. Yeah. Although he did have a very good Super Bowl tweet just just before kickoff, he'd uh, he 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 stuck in a um, alarm oh, the, reminder, the reminder on his phone. On his yeah. phone. I thought what that a was douchebag. very well done by the <laughs> PR team. <Yeah. laughs> Made me chuckle anyway, just because he wasn't there. <laughs> well, that was nice, nice little touch there. Anyway, so that is the pod for this week, guys. We're probably going to take a week off. I'm thinking just because we've been so hard working. Um, for the main pod anyway Patreon carries on regardless so uh, if you can sign up please do so still we're not going to finish um, producing material until after the draft so we've still got a few more months you can sign up at patreon.com slash final down it's £4 a month and we try and make it worth it so lots of extra content going on in there as we gear up for the draft um, we might do a few more podcasts but it'll be more sparse i guess is the right word um maybe not quite as uh as consistent as it's been through the entire season so yeah that's just a little psa without even i would say <laughs> i would say if 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 you can't afford the patreon or you need some help buying it or just want to you know give it a go seeing as dave won so much on his bets on the Ooh. super bowl just hit him up on twitter and i'm sure he'll 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 set you up with it yeah, with yeah, some no, one month it. subscription for free or something yeah, do that. That will go down well. <laughs> Best of luck. At Denver Dave Thirty on Twitter. What, what you're effectively doing is taking food out of my young son's mouth. So yeah, if you you know if you haven't got a conscience, hit me up. <laughs> to be fair, Dave, you do the same as well. You know, I take food. She, out she of puts the plate down. You start. I've seen you do it, <laughs> Dave. If you're gambling to feed your family, then maybe it's time to rethink, mate. When the fun I'm not stops. gambling to get away. <laughs> when the fun <laughs> stops. Yeah, I'm funding my exit strategy. <laughs> oi, oi, oi. We've all got one. <laughs> yeah. So until next time, guys, I've been Jim. That's been Punk Raider. That's been Never Dave. Thank you very much for listening.